and welcome to the Wild Idaho podcast, coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love. This podcast is the place to find your community, get inspired to take action for the Idaho you love, and hear stories from real people who are making a difference to our amazing state of Idaho. Welcome to Wild Idaho. I'm your host, Austin Hopkins, and I'm so glad you can join us. For the first episode of Wild Idaho, we wanted to give sort of a 30,000 foot view of what ICL is all about, from our early history to where we're heading. Now, there's no better person to talk to you about that than Rick Johnson, our executive director. I sat down with Rick in his office to go over all things ICL, from our early history to where he thinks the organization is heading in the next 20 years. If you're familiar with ICL, I hope you learned something new. And if you're not, this is a great place to start to learn all about what ICL does and why we do it. To provide some background of why Rick is the man to talk to about ICL, I asked him to describe all the things he has hanging on his wall. Well, we're sitting in my office here at our Boise headquarters, if we will, a building that we bought back in 1999. And over the years, things have just sort of collected. You know, I've been running ICL for a long time, but, you know, some of the things include pictures of me in the White House or pictures I took in the White House for when Obama signed the Oahe Wilderness Bill. I've got um, particularly poignant for me right now a couple pictures with myself and Cecil Andrus that he inscribed for me. Um, pictures with other members of the delegation. Bethine Church, uh, Hillary Clinton, John Podesta from the White House. Those things are so just some memorable moments. Um, shaking hands with Barack Obama at the White Clouds bill signing. Behind me I have the the 10 versions of the Boulder White Clouds bill that Mike Simpson introduced. Behind you, I have a signed copy of the Oahe bill and also the an invitation to the inauguration of Bill Clinton, uh, which was a, uh, the first presidential race that I worked on when I worked for the Sierra Club. Um, my Sierra Club time was important to me. I worked for ICL for a chunk of time in the 80s and then left and then um, worked on public lands for the Sierra Club representing Idaho, Washington, Oregon and at times Alaska. And some of the photographs and things behind you include a collage that was given to me that uh, incorporates elements of the spotted owl work that I did. Uh, includes some car- a picture of a caribou, caribou in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Um, couple images of bears that I, I collected back in my fascination uh, with grizzly bears. I used to go out and try to find them. Um, and measured the quality of my year by how many bears I'd seen. Um, I'm not really close to that as much as I used to be. But, uh, you know, I mentioned the 10 versions of the White Clouds bill. Um, also next to that is uh, the pen, one of the pens that was used to sign the bill. Um, and that really, uh, in so many ways, was kind of my journey uh, with the Idaho Conservation League. Um, I started working on the White Clouds as a volunteer in that in my early 20s, and that continued all the way to 2015, when I was pretty distant from my early 20s. <laughs> but um, you know, it's yeah, the room's filled with a bunch of stuff. Everything from a couple of pictures of the Grateful Dead to a picture of my wife when we were first married and piles of paper. I'm not a good filer. Um, I have a table that is stacked about two feet high 
with just stuff. Most recent on top, though, right? Most recent on top, yep. Most recent on top, you know, some random things. Um, One thing that's sort of interesting in here, there's two different posters of um, that were for to commemorate ICL anniversaries the 25th which I was the executive director for the 30th that I was executive director for um, downstairs is the 40th that I was executive director for um, but it is noteworthy that the very first time I ever came to the city of Boise was for ICL's 10th anniversary and um, it was a much it was a small gathering but it was the very last time that Frank Church ever spoke in public and it was the only time I ever met him. Wow. And I just shook hands very briefly. But uh, so uh, my connection to ICL is long. You know, given your history, I wanted you to touch on how, and more importantly, why was ICL formed way back in, in 73? Well, you know, 1970 was the first Earth Day, and that was a big, there was a big spirit of environmentalism at that time. And, and there's a difference between historic conservation and sort of the birth of the modern environmental movement. Historic conservation in Idaho was really driven by hunters and anglers. Uh, a lot of the early successes of conservation um, in you know the early days was really based on protecting wildlife habitat and creating a fish and game department and things like that. But Earth Day really called out the need to address things like clean air, clean water, the Cuyahoga River had caught on fire. You know, there were these really big issues. And the first Earth Day was really a catalyst all around the United States, and Idaho included. So not too long after that, there was a conversation that began that Idaho needed a voice for conservation. And that focus, initially, was in the Idaho legislature. And um, it was Conveniently located, two blocks. Two blocks from where we sit. (laughs) And... um, one of the, and actually our very first office was just across the intersection right here in the old building that they, they moved so the state could put up a parking garage. But I watched the building get moved away. Um, but anyway, uh, we were in the basement of that building. But ICL was really founded to provide a statewide, not a Boise-based, not a North Idaho-based, not an East Idaho-based, but a statewide voice for conservation in the state legislature. And our founders came from all over the state, and their objective really was simply to have all the parts of Idaho represented. There had been isolated voices, there had been regional voices or issue voices, but at a time where people really understanding the environment much more holistically, there was the thought that um, in the legislature we really needed to have that voice, and so ICL was founded in 1973. Uh, Marsha Persley was our very first citizen um, or staff lobbyist. She walked in there and organized folks and very first day walked in and um, just by the way she was putting out little notices of our arrival, she uh, did something we've done many times, which is irritate legislators by just the, she didn't know the procedure, so she just slipped in these introductory things in everybody's mailbox and didn't realize that the clerk was supposed to do that. Uh. But anyway, from day one, we were sort of a little burr, but um, we've been there since day one, and that's one of the things that I think we all can be most proud of is that the Idaho Conservation League, from 1973 to 2017, every state legislative session has been a voice for conservation. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and I think one of the most interesting things as as a relatively new staffer to me 
is that we are a statewide voice. Um, you know, we have the, the urban Boise environment, we have more rural areas, we even, you know, geographically, southern Idaho is vastly different than northern Idaho, and, and western Idaho is different than eastern Idaho. So describe in detail kind of the ICL way, like how, how does a single group or organization really be a, a statewide voice? Well, it goes back to our founding, and um, you a few moments ago asked me to describe the office, but one of the things I didn't mention is this little plaque that's behind the shade over there, but it's a little thing that says, Remember North Idaho, and it was from our sort of lead founder. There are many people that founded ICL, but there's, there are a couple in particular, and that would be Scott and Mary Lou Reed from Coeur d'Alene. But Mary Lou gave the very first executive director this little plaque that says, Remember North Idaho. And it's almost a joke, but not really, because it's really easy to get lost in the Boise-centric thing. You see it in the legislature. You see it in our business politics and, you know, health care, all these different issues that, that percolate around what is undeniably Idaho's biggest city. But at the same time, we are really a, a maybe a hub on a good day with all the spokes all over the place, but... Idaho is so diverse and so big that you can't talk about Idaho without representing the north or the east or central Idaho or salmon or you know all over the place. And so ICL was founded with a board of directors based on organizational voices from all these communities, all these different parts. And if there's anything that you would use to describe the DNA of ICL, it would be that the regional representation is critical. And in the beginning, we were a league of voices from around the state. We had chapters, mm. and those chapters met independently and then came together as this Idaho Conservation League. That, over time, became something that really changed. And I think if there's um, uh, one of the changes in our work is it used to be completely driven by citizen volunteers. We really, our staff presence was just to coordinate the local activity and then bring it to Boise every once in a while. One of the challenges of our work, and it's one that you're personally familiar with, with the regulatory work that you do, but over the years it's become very complicated. This is challenging stuff. You don't talk about parts per million and work through permits for air quality or water quality or energy projects or any of these other things casually. Mm -hmm. And um, I think one of the big challenges is that our work has become so complicated and professionalized that that citizen voice sometimes can be lost. And I think one of our challenges through our history is as these issues get more professionalized, how do we continue to bring that grassroots citizen voice to the fore? Um, recognizing we have to have a professional staff, and that's why we have 21 of them. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, um, we also need to have that, that citizen voice, and that's why we have our community engagement work that we do out of our three offices. But one of the things I think that makes ICL particularly unique in this state is it's, it's not exactly a secret that Idaho has conservative politics. It has always had conservative politics. It has had eras where it was much more balanced, 
we're recording this interview on a day that Cecil Andrus um, will be laid in state in the Idaho State House. He represented a time where, as a Democratic governor, there was a lot more balance to our state government. Mm. But that said, it was still conservative. It's always been conservative. And I think one of the great successes of ICL over the years is we've learned how to be pragmatic, bridge-building voices in the state of Idaho. I've kind of, I've, you know, I'm not a sports person, but one of the ways to look at it is we, we win by base hits. We're not looking for the home runs. We don't, we don't get up every day and swing wildly at every pitch that comes. Because one of the things that happens if you are doing that, if you're trying to hit home runs, is you frankly look like you're swinging wildly. You're not looking as strategically and as thoughtfully for the opportunities to make the small gains. Mm. Because in a tough, diverse political state, you need to be always looking for those small gains. And frankly, ICL is a lot of them. You know, we, we, you know, a lot of the things, you know, like the Oahe wilderness or the Boulder White Clouds or even Mercury or some of the really hallmark stories of ICL are, are home runs, undeniably. But there are other wins every single day that we make. And I think that that keeps our spirits high. It keeps our staff learning. It keeps editorial boards respectful. Um, we make a lot more friends that way. We have partnerships with agencies. We have partnerships with political leaders that are very sophisticated. Hmm. And it's because we're not swinging wildly. We're looking for competent, common sense, conservation wins on a daily basis. So this kind of brings me to a, a point, and I apologize if I misquote this, but I recently read your blog post on, on Cecil Andrews, your tribute to him, and I think Cecil described you as the first time he met you as a wild-eyed, bearded environmentalist. Um, that may be, I may be misquoting that, but, and I think that was kind of representative of maybe ICL in its um, early years. So I was wondering, can you walk us through some of the, the milestones and, and how ICL developed. You know, you mentioned you started out as this voice in the legislature, very dependent on, on citizen volunteers. Now we have a staff of 21 fairly professional uh, individuals. How, how did that happen? Well, it's a, it's a long story, but there's some key pieces. In the early days, um, we really were focused on the legislature, and it was really based on bringing citizens to Boise. We have citizen lobby days, those kind of things. Um, and we had some successes, undeniably, stopping um, the Pioneer Coal-Fired Power Plant outside of Boise, helping pass Local Land Use Planning Act that allows for planning and zoning commissions, mm. uh, a number of significant successes early on. But right as we moved into our second decade, or um, into the 80s, um, we, or excuse me, into the late 70s into the 80s, we had uh, the beginning of our work on public lands. One of the things that makes Idaho unique is that we have so much federal public land in the state of Idaho, and for many that really defines our state. And one of the things I have in my office is a map of the state, so I'm frequently looking at it as I refer to the, the state or our, our achievements. But Frank Church was senator. He was working to protect the Middle Fork of the Salmon River. And ICL became one of the convening 
places where citizens that were working on the River No Return, the River No Return Preservation Council, Ted Trueblood, Ernie Day, um, Bruce Bowler, number of Nell Tobias, number of extraordinary voices, not necessarily connected to ICL, but ICL was sometimes the convening place where um, that those conversations took place. And so that the work to protect the Middle Fork brought us into the realm of public lands preservation. And one of the things about public lands is we have something that's unique in the United States. We have these extraordinary places. And what that also did over time, and I was first hired by ICL back in the 80s to work on public lands, um, it brought in a little bit of outside money. Mm. You know, for the first time we started getting foundation grants to support some of our public lands work because we had something that other people didn't have. And um, as years went by, the public lands work was more and more high profile. There was the River No Return campaign in the, um, 1980. There were wilderness campaigns in the early 80s for the whole state. And I, that's how I got into it. I was very involved in those, and particularly 83, 84, 85. And that's when I first started working for ICL. But um, those public land issues um, kind of changed ICL. And not in some of it, certainly for the good. Um, we got involved in more issues, water quality, wildlife habitat, public lands, wilderness, logging, mining, all those different things that are, that are important to what we do today. But to be honest, we kind of lost some of our focus on some of the community stuff mm -hmm. that was often central in the, in the legislature. And I think one of the really big turning points for ICL was when we took what we'd learned through the public lands work of the 80s and 90s, and in, I don't know, the late 90s, really returned to getting back into air, water, local uses. Because as one of our board members at the time said, it wasn't enough for us to be working on where everyone went for their weekend. We needed to work where they live. Mm. And I think that's important to ICL success because we do work on these iconic places. We're one of the lead voices in the West for public lands. But we are also, at the very same time, one of the lead voices to protect the air you breathe and the water you drink. And... That makes ICL pretty unique. In other parts of the country, and I've now had enough time to become familiar with how other states uh, across the United States work and protect the environment, ICL is one of the few organizations where we're the lead voice on many issues. Hmm. And because of that, your work on clean water is going to inform Justin's work on clean air, which is going to inform Matt's work on energy up in um, Sandpoint, which informs my work when I engage Congressman Simpson on who knows what. So it's, it's very symbiotic, symbiotic. We share lessons, we share experiences, and we also make sure that what you do doesn't harm the work that Matt does, and what Matt does doesn't harm the work that JR does, and all these different things. Often easier said than done. <laughs> Often easier said than done. But it also creates a holistic way of looking at strategy, science, the totality of the state, and again, going back to those incremental gains, um, 
we're learning from each other. And I think that learning is robust, uh, intellectually stimulating. We have a lot of wins, so we have fun. And, um, but we, at the same time, do something that I think is incredibly important. The Idaho Conservation League, I believe, is a public interest group. We are part of a public interest movement. And if a public interest movement is going to endure, it has to do two things. It has to be supported by the public, and it has to move. And I think one of the challenges of groups like ours, or other of the quote-unquote progressive movement, is they're not always supported by the public, and they're not always moving. Hmm. So we're always looking for where we can advance the ball, learn from our lessons. If we're going to fail, we fail quickly, and then we move on find those wins, but also find ways to bring the public with us. Because conservation can complement Idaho's conservative values as long as it doesn't look like we're trying to overthrow them. A public interest movement can be supported by the public, has to be supported by the public, and it has to move forward. Hmm. Great insights. You know, as we talk about moving things forward, this, I think this is a great kind of segue into the last question I had here is, what's what's in the future for ICL? You know, what's you've been with ICL now uh, 25 years, not to, to date any... Well, I've been, I was with ICL for about two and a half years first, and now about 23. Okay, so if you if you had to make any predictions, what, what does the next 23 years hold for ICL? I'm remarkably optimistic about the future of the Idaho Conservation League and the future, frankly, of Idaho writ large. Um, We've learned how to work with the conservative politics. We've learned how to build community support. Also, one of the things that I used to hear all the time is, you know, Rick, you guys got to get more young people involved. And I'm particularly excited about the degree of incredibly talented young people we have on staff, some of the young people that come to our events, the new thing that you've been part of, uh, Merging Leaders for Idaho's Environment, Ellie, that new program to bring young people into ICL. Um, I'm optimistic because I see, I see that the, I have created something and contributed to something that... Um, I undeniably stand on the shoulders of those who came before, but I also undeniably built ICL to be something bigger. And I'm really very confident that when it is my time to hand it over, that there is just an incredibly talented pool of people already in ICL and coming into ICL that will hold that and grow it even more. So I'm supremely comfortable knowing that the work we do to be Idaho's leading voice for conservation will not only endure, it will grow because in the end, people love Idaho. And because they love Idaho, they're going to work together to protect it. Idaho is full of special places, full of these incredibly wonderful experiences that shape people's lives. But to protect those special places and those special values You need special people to come together, and that's what the Idaho Conservation League has always been about, and I just see that growing every year, and it's inspiring and uh, fills me with great optimism. Nice. You know, it's always great to end on on such a high note. So with that, thank you so much for taking the time to to do this interview. Um, I personally look forward to being there for the next 23 years. Right on, man. Yeah, thanks for setting this up.
I can't thank Rick enough for taking the time out of his busy day to do this initial interview with me. And I also can't thank him enough for all the work he's done over the past 20 years helping to bring ICL where it is today. And that concludes our first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new. Um, If you're totally new to ICL, I hope you're interested in the work that we're doing. You know, this podcast wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the generous support of our members. So thank you to all of our members out there. Uh, If if you're not a member yet, be sure to head to idahoconservation.org. You can check out all the work that we're doing throughout the state. And if you click on that donate page, you can uh, learn how you can become a member and support the work that the Idaho Conservation League does to protect the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wild Idaho Podcast. I'll see you guys next time.